the theme was uh, blue, and um, I guess it all started with Claude begging me to do this. Um, I don't know, after the third or fourth email, a lot of missed calls, I was like, oh. kind of salty not to be invited to the first one, but um, actually I was recording the sound of the first one, so I've made my way up to do this program. Um, I've actually chosen to dress in Hampton Garden Party tonight. It's got nothing to do with my story, but I just think it looks good. So this is a short film in a film script format. It's called This Is Just A Story, written by Dr. Fraser Fletcher Pemberton Esquire. No! Also, don't judge me, these are single-sided, but they're a lot harder to read double-sided, so... Boo! You can recycle these and shit. Exterior, footpath, afternoon. It was a Thursday. A man awkwardly shuffles through a pack of people, headphones in, but no music playing. He appreciated the mask of anonymity that the headphones gave him, preferring instead to listen to the soundtrack of life than whatever was popular in 2016. The man reaches a crossing, literal and metaphorical. The traffic light is green, but the walking man is red. The man and his crossing party stop. There are no cars coming on either side, yet they continue to wait. A few side glances, perhaps even an anstey shuffling of the feet, but they all keep waiting. They were slaves to the system, and no one wanted to be that first renegade crosser. For with that title came a great responsibility, for everyone will blindly follow the rogue vigilante once the damn wall of free will has been shattered. The renegade crosser could simply lead his contingent into oncoming traffic. What trust we place in strangers, the man pondered. Seven seconds later. His life had been building to this very moment, each tick of the traffic light a sadistic metronome taunting him. Calling him in, he thought of Eminem's wise words. The moment you own it, that first step off the curb and into the unknown was like walking into the ocean at night. Not knowing if a wave or sea beast was about to return him to whence he came. The man took a deep breath and looked at the woman next to him. We can do this. Together. The man marched onward, the woman followed, then the schoolboy. They had laughed in the face of the system and won. Man, voiceover, proudly. Not the hero that Melbourne needs, but the hero they deserve. With an extra spring in his step, the man was ready to face his next challenge, defeating his perfectly reasonable fear of crowded public transport. He looked up at the digitised timetable. One minute. Preferring not to look like a common fool who just misses their train whilst the interior passengers watch on in embarrassment, the man decided instead to satisfy his increasingly rumbling stomach. He surveyed his surroundings. Man, voiceover. Hmm, eight minutes till the next train. Should I maybe just get two sushi rolls? <laughs> LOL, he thought to himself. More like four. But it was at that, at that very moment the man remembered he had eaten sushi every other day that week. Man, voiceover. Is four days in a row too much? What about Japan? I'd eat sushi every single meal free of judgment. Yeah, maybe I should just move to Japan. But here, four days, is that too many? Probably, he thought. Man, voiceover. Perhaps a healthy salad or an, an acai bowl with activated lies. Who are you trying to impress? You are going to get a sausage roll from 7-Eleven. Hopefully king size. Interior, 7-Eleven, afternoon. 
The man enters the store. He offers a slight head nod to the shopkeeper as he makes his way toward the hot food area. But not before a cursory perusing of the healthier options in order to save some face. He ruminated on the concept of saving face. Just where is this face stored? And how much had he banked over his life, he wondered. Could he simply just push the saloon doors open into the 7-Eleven slow motion entrance and march confidently to the disgusting food area? Start dishing out sausage rolls and cheese and bacon traveler pies like $100 bills at a strip club. Damn what anyone thought. One day perhaps, but not today. Please take from below. We are warming up on the top, the sign reads. He wondered how true that actually was. Would he die if he took from the top shelf? It was dangerous, it was risky, and he liked it. After plucking a sausage roll from the much safer bottom shelf, the man proceeded to the cashier, and was disgusted by the fact he was made to ask for a tomato sauce packet over the counter like a teenager asking for condoms. Man, voiceover, and to think I wasted some face on you, you motherfucker. Exterior train station afternoon. The timetable reads arriving in four minutes. Perfect. Exactly the amount of time it takes to eat a sausage roll. It was peak hour, the most infamous of all the hours. The man stood at the bottom of the ramp that leads upwards to the platform. A train had just arrived from the opposite direction. A school of corporate salmon swam vigorously down the ramp. As the man fought against the tide and inched his way higher like a tuna swimming upstream. Then it happened. A young woman, no older than 16, slams into the man's shoulder, knocking his sausage-gripped hand. Each flake of that golden Australian crust banging into the cement like an asteroid breaking up in the atmosphere on a collision course with destiny. She turned toward him. Her straight black hair seemed to be caught in time, suspended in zero gravity, as her face and teary-eyed expression was revealed to be not one of apology or anger, but one of chaotic determination. Man voiceover. Fuck face. <laughs> the young woman broke social decorum and aggressively pushed her way through the crowd, making more than a few enemies along the way. Exterior train platform, afternoon. It began to rain, nothing drastic, but enough to make the peak hour crowd wedge under the available shelter. Preferring not to feel like a trapped anchovy in a jar, the man accepted a spattering of rain in exchange for some, uh, for some free space. Is this one too many aquatic metaphors, the future writer wondered. Absolutely not. Man voiceover, this is what freedom feels like. The man cocks his head skyward and feels the light kiss of the rain trickle down his eyelids. He turns back toward the crowd. Man voiceover, I have yet again become the road crosser, but will anyone follow me into the unknown? Then he saw her. At the end of the platform, frantically pacing back and forth, dragging her fingers through her hair and muttering to herself. She stopped walking and closed her eyes. Her backpack fell to the ground, the contents spilling onto the platform. She did not flinch. She didn't even open her eyes as one of her pens rolled down the slight decline and onto the tracks below. The man's ravenous chews slowed to a standstill. He turned to the rest of the platform underneath the shelter, but no one was watching. Entranced by their mobiles and disconnected by their headphones. The man turned back towards the girl as the rain increased in tempo from a light brush of a cymbal to a cacophony of jungle drums, arriving in two minutes. The girl opened her eyes and walked toward the edge, ignoring the yellow line we as Melbourneian children dared never to venture beyond. She inched her feet over the edge and focused her gaze, down her gaze downward. 
She shifted her weight back and forth, almost, almost as if she were a kid, simultaneously building and losing the courage to jump off a diving board, arriving in one minute. The girl asked herself questions and followed them with answers. She began to retreat from the ledge, shuffling backwards to where her backpack lay on the ground. The man breathed for the first time in 30 seconds. The drums dampened for the moment, arriving now. The man saw the flashing red light before he heard the crossing bell ring. From, when he, from where he was standing, he could, not see the pro, he could see the progress of the oncoming train. The girl did not seem phased by the sound of the bell, but that changed very quickly. Her chaos returned as she started to hyperventilate. The jungle drums reappeared as if they were building to a climax. She turned her head sharply to assess the location of the train. It was closing on us. She refocused toward the ledge, her chaos disappearing in an instant. A resolve washed over her face. It was this calmness that terrified the man the most. It was one of acceptance, one of willingness. The girl took her first confident stride. The man started to walk, then jog, then run. The girl marched toward the edge as the train thundered toward them. The man dropped his sausage roll and sprinted as fast as he could. The angle he was running from meant he was running directly at the face of the train. The girl was a mere meter or so from the drop, the train seconds from her. She had just crossed the yellow line as the man screeched to a stop on her left, his fast shadow just enough to catch the corner of her eye. She turned slightly and stopped, their eyes meeting on the other side of the yellow line. The locomotive smashed past their faces. Their proximity to the metal beast forced them back, the wind slapping them across the face. A rising crescendo erupted into a loud, screaming silence as time ceased to have meaning. They just stood there in this void, staring at each other like family, although they were strangers. As the train powered past them, her arctic blue eyes began to melt, the ice turning to water, the resolve melting back to sadness. They didn't utter a single word, yet they spoke intimately. The sound of the sliding doors unlatching, the only thing restoring time back to its regular state interior train afternoon <laughs> the two of them boarded the train maintaining this eye contact that neither was willing to drop it was that kind of intimacy where you were frozen with fear but somewhat addicted to the feeling at the same time like the force between two opposing magnets man voiceover should i speak to her ask if she needs help ask if she is okay Am I no better than any of the sardines that ignored the situation if I don't? Do something, say something, anything, help her. He chose silence. A man usually bursting with words had none. The young woman eventually breaks eye contact, seemingly voiding this contract they had both unwittingly entered. The man turns to the window as the train departs and watches on, as his king-size four-and-twenty sausage roll was eviscerated by rain. They were now inextricably linked by a shared memory they will never likely share again. Fade to black. <laughs> Title card. Four years later. <laughs> Exterior. Backyard. Night. The man stands before a bemused audience in a sun-kissed and or rain-drenched Melbourne backyard. <laughs> Searching for that particular set of blue eyes. He then looks at the microphone like a cornetto he's going to feel guilty about eating. <laughs> his hands start to tremble. He wets his lips as he opens his mouth to speak. <laughs> Fraser, assuredly. By now you all must have realised that this is not a film at all. No, my friends, this is a memory. 
that is becoming less and less clear like a photocopy of a photocopy of a degrading old painting. As time surges forward, it gets darker. There are more shades of grey, the colour drained from the world. It's harder to tell the difference between what is real and what I've constructed to keep it alive. But not that frozen blue in her eyes. That is real. That is seared into my subconscious. But what about everything else? Was it even a Thursday? Was it even raining? Did she simply go to another train station and try again? Did she succeed? Did she even try at all? Am I a reliable narrator? Not even remotely. What is a memory if not a retrospective authoring of your own unreliable truth? We place such an importance on the authenticity of words and the reliability of our own internal author to paint these pictures. Well, every, Mary, uh, every memory is inherently a lie, a recreation of the truth peppered with untamed imagination and a sprinkle of convenient self-orientated details until they become something else entirely, a tale we tell ourselves. I'm not even sure if this is a memory at all anymore. I think this might simply be a story. Fraser stops speaking. The crowd takes a moment to process what they have just heard before erupting into a confused and thunderous applause. Thank you. Tomorrow with the good of